Hi everybody, welcome back to M Talks. My name is Melissa. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to the fabulous Danielle, and we'll be talking about things like uh, racism as it relates to dating, intimacy, and sex. We'll be talking about our experiences in big cities in North America, such as Toronto and New York. In addition, we're going to be talking about our experiences that we have faced in the Netherlands as well. Dealing with men as the woman that we are is hard enough, but when you bring in racism into the mix, it just brings everything to a new level. Whether it comes off as more subtle or if it's fetishization or just blatant racism, there's so many ways that racism comes into play in our dating, intimate, and sexual lives. And a lot of this affects internalized racism as well. So the way that we see ourselves in our spaces, the way we interact with others, and the trust that we have with others as well. So without any further hesitation, here's our discussion, and I hope you find it very insightful. So um, okay. I'd like to start it with like a little introduction of you or like you who I'm interviewing with. Um, so yeah. you're teaching sociology, which is great. Um, yes. So what else are you doing? And, you know, yeah, how, what, how can you relate to, I guess, the topic of um, dating as a woman of color? And yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your talk show. This is actually super flattering. So thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm Danielle and I, uh, I teach sociology. Uh, specifically intersectionalities, uh, migration and citizenship, and globalizing cultures. It's kind of like a mishmash of kind of like my personal experiences meeting academia, which is really, really nice. Um, Other than teaching, I am kind of training myself to be a pole dancer. Uh, It's really fun, um, but I also kind of want to be able to teach pole dance. I think I would really like to do that. Um, I'm at the stage where... I can wear heels and I can do something that looks like a dance for a um, couple of seconds. Time. By the way, oh my God, how do you walk? <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, so you kind of have to just forget that you are at a height that is unseemly <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and then just walk around. But honestly, once you're in them, nobody can talk to you. Mm-hmm. There's like a certain point you're just like, bitch, excuse me pop over to the mirror, I see my calves, my ass is working, like, I'm a goddess. Yeah. I highly encourage you to get yourself some stripper heels. So uh, when it comes to having a type, is it racist? Yeah. Hmm. That's a very, very interesting question. Um, and one that I have been asked a few times. I do think it's racist. Um, I don't think it's right at all. And oftentimes what happens when we are engaging in discussions about having a type, it's, well, what if I um, just prefer them on the basis of, you know, a cultural match? And I was like, listen, I'm not saying, or they're like, oh, but don't you think preferences are natural? No, I don't. Nothing is natural. And just because it's common to you or something that you're used to doesn't mean that it's natural. And also you should really question that preference. Now, I think there is a more nuanced argument when you are a minority group and you want to have that sort of moment of congruence with another person. Um, I think the power dynamics that are present are different. So therefore, if you're like, I really want to you know, connect with another black person in the Netherlands, I think there's much more of a difference there. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you know, the, having this type, it's, it's a different conversation. But if you specifically are like, oh, you know, I only like, 
white girls as a black or brown person, um, which I have actually seen a lot in the Netherlands. I have noticed this, like black men are not checking for black women out here. Like it's really, especially in Amsterdam, uh, yeah, it's really, really uh, bizarre. Um, so I, I do think it's racist. And Emma DeBerry, who is a sociologist, really, really amazing. Um, she wrote about uh, sexual racism mm. and just about how, you know, even in an intimate space that all these, you know, racial discourses about desirability and sexuality really start to play out in such an intimate space and how really disheartening that actually is. Um, I don't think it's right. And I'll say for myself, I don't have a racial preference. However, I have had a journey where I really needed to start, I really needed to unpack a lot of um, self-hate that I didn't even realize I was harboring. So when I was younger, um, I grew up in a black community. Um, so I'm Jamaican, um, grew up in largely American black community. Um, and the school that I went to was predominantly white. And they had, our school was separated into levels in high school. So you had uh, level five, seven, sorry, level three, five, seven, and nine. And then you had the advanced placement. And the higher you went in the levels, the wider your class became. Shocking, right? <laughs> um, so I was placed in a level seven, which is considered kind of like it's above average and maybe you could even be an advanced placement student, but it's almost like a tester stage. So they're like, hmm, we see that you have potential. And then they would move you to a level nine or they would move you to AP level, which you could only get if you were at your junior um, year of high school or in your senior year of high school. And I got moved up quite quickly, but I remember a lot of my classmates were like, yeah, Danielle, you're so smart. Um, you know, kind of wish that I could be in a level nine. I'm like, of course you can be in a level. You're not, mm -hmm. <laughs> you can absolutely be there. But I did notice that, you know, teachers a lot of times just like wouldn't invest in black and brown kids, especially the black kids. That happens here too and and uh, where I'm from. Like um, the high school that I went to as well was like on the news that they would discourage like black, um, black, particularly black uh, boys from mm. the pandemic. Um, you, you know, like we have the college, uh, the college courses and then the uh, university courses, which is all bullshit anyways, but totally. um, yeah, they would get discouraged and be, they would be like, you, you're not cut out for this. And then they would end up having to take the lower level. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a very big thing, of course. Um, not even just capabilities. It's just the, you know, they're not getting support. Right. No, they're not getting support. And they already assume that they're like, oh, well, you don't even really care about this. Mm -hmm. And so they just let you stay there. And I, and I really believe that part of even the reason that I was able to um, go to a higher level, my mom was <laughs> having a Jamaican mom. She's like, you better get these great grades, right? Like she was always sort of like putting that pressure on. She was always at every PTA meeting. She was like very involved. And I think that that, I think my teachers also seeing that they were like, ah, she's a different one, mm -hmm. which in and of itself is problematic, right? Because they're not even taking into account like the socioeconomic um, sort of situation that is at hand. A lot of these are single parent homes. They're working very long hours at jobs. So like, no, excuse us if we're not able to make it to every PTA meeting that doesn't mean that my student is any less or that my child is any less motivated um but yeah i think because my mom was very in, involved uh they you know moved me up and it was around that time that i started to experience being desired mm -hmm. um and those who were desiring me were white and i never really I, I i was just like wow people like me i wasn't safe like all oh, these white boys like me but i was just like wow i'm being desired um my crushes though were always on you know the basketball players but none of them ever 
paid any attention. And in fact, when I was, uh, when I did try to speak to them, a lot of them would say, oh, you, you know, you're not a regular black girl or like you talk white or you act white, this, that, and the third. And I, I didn't realize how much that actually stuck with me until I even went to university. And I noticed my eye kept going to white men because I felt like they wouldn't question my blackness. Like to them, I was just, I was just, and you know, and I'm using air quotes here. But I very quickly learned that with each white guy that I dated, it wasn't, um, it wasn't so much that they really found me interesting. Um, they were very, there was very much a, a fetishism that was happening there. And, you know, coming the comments of, uh, oh, you know, you're my first black girl or. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's so many times. I mean, just like, oh my gosh, you know, like, I wonder what my parents would say, or just like, just, just these really ridiculous things. And, um, it was such a weird time between like my senior year of high school and university because I was studying anthropology and women and gender studies and I started to learn to build the framework to understand what I was experiencing as as an othered body as a, an othered body then being desired by this white majority and existing in this white male gaze so that really put me in a weird space with navigating who I was attracted to but then also feeling desired but then trying to take ownership of my de- feeling desired and being like, okay, where, where do I find my agency in this? Um, so then even after leaving university, uh, I actually, <laughs> I started using OkCupid, the dating app. Oh, yeah. And I thought, okay, well, I don't actually approach anyone. And at that time, I wasn't very confident in how I looked. I was heavier. And in my mind, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm heavier. And therefore, I'm not attractive. I had a lot of shit I needed to unlearn. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was uh, on the apps, you know, I was talking to to everyone. So my, my type or, you know, my sort of penchant for going for white to white men actually changed there. But I also kind of noticed that white men would really put in this effort. And it was an effort that when I look back now, it wasn't even necessarily effort because like, oh, wow, I really want to get to know you. It was, it was fetishizing. They were just excited that this black woman was, you know, going there and they're like, oh my God, I have to talk to you. I have to talk to you. I have to talk to you. And I mistakenly took that, that obsession as genuine interest. Yeah. Yeah. So it took um, quite a bit of time to unlearn what I was seeing. Um, I've I've never fully felt uh, safe or like fully myself, um, especially because when it did come down to talking about issues of race, that's when I would notice they would clam up Mm. or suddenly, you know, try to say, well, are you sure that it was like this? Um, yeah, like you know, it's like your experience and exactly, exactly. And it was just kind of like, how can we be cool on all these other levels? And now here's this happening. And there were three instances where it, I really just like was like, okay, I actually can't do this anymore. Um, one guy, it was our maybe third or fourth date, and we we're walking through Tribeca. He was white, and um, there was a, a black man walking towards us. And the black man was looking at me up and down, you know, as, as just guys do in a very lascivious manner, because of course you're a woman in public space. So you are assumed to be available. Yeah. And he's just really just, you know, that moment where you're like, mm, I don't know if you want to fuck me or kill me. Like that should never, I should never have to question yeah. which one that is. Um, and I just kind of like rolled my eyes. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, why do men always just stare at you like that? Like, it's so annoying. And he said, 
oh, well, I guess it's just like monkeys looking at each other. He's and I, yeah, we were holding hands at the time and I dropped his hand. I said, what? He's like, yeah, he's like, he's black, you're black. What the fuck? And then he stopped and he's like, wait, oh my God, no, I didn't mean to say monkeys. I didn't mean to say monkeys. Oh. Never spoke to him again after that. Right. Um, there was, an, and that's actually when I started like taking my dating hiatus. Uh, and then a few months later, I went out with this guy. He was white. And um, he, I think we went out maybe on two dates. Like he was always traveling. And so we would like text in between. And so the second date that we went on, he actually came to my place, which at the time I lived in Brooklyn, um, very heavily, like quite predominantly like Caribbean community. And he came over, we were hanging out and we're having a good time. And he's like, oh my gosh, wait, what time is it? And I said, oh, it's 10. He's like, oh gosh, like, I have to be on the subway. It's going to stop running at this time. And I said, oh, you can actually just take also the bus that goes in the city. He's like, yeah, but like, I can't be the only white guy here so late. He's oh, wow. What is happening? I, yeah. And so I went on a really long, um, long dry spell after that because I just. You were put off. You were turned off. I was so turned off. I was so turned off. And, you know, I, I was really kind of upset with myself. I was like, I really hate that um, I've only been really with white men up until this point in my life. I've had crushes on, on black men, brown men, but it just never really took off and never really went anywhere. Um, so I had to do a lot of soul searching with that. And, um, you know, I guess getting back to your, your question about uh, having types, I just really couldn't sit and settle with the fact. I was like, oh, my God, like, have white men really been my type? Like, is that no. like, what's Maybe. in my mind? Like, what the fuck? Like, that's so messed up. And that's so indicative of something deeper that I really need to needed to address. It's like, I guess, a part of, you know, like, just what you've experienced, what you're exposed to. And then, yeah. you know, I think internalized racism is like, is a big part of it as well. Like, even with the, you know, like, am I good enough kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, I'm good enough for this person. So they might like, might like mm -hmm. me. Um, I faced that a lot, too. Um, yeah, um, I think that's, yeah. How did you confront it? I'm still confronting it. So <laughs> yeah, um, w especially when I moved to Amsterdam, I was dating a lot. Well, I had one partner that was like my main partner, but I was still dating as well other people. And I have not, ex like I I've experienced racism here too with white people here, but mm. in Toronto, but not as much as there. So, mm. you know, and I didn't realize it at the time. Like I thought, you know, this guy likes like my main partner. I thought he, he likes me, right? Mm. He, you know, same thing. He I was the first person of color in his life. Mm you know just first one um and then you know like it was more like that he was trying me I think it wasn't mm -hmm. um I like you kind of thing it was like so yeah and then I ended up breaking everything out like when I came back here I stopped talking to him because he said something really terrible it said he said uh your color is the same color as the shit I take yeah what yeah so I said what? oh I said, God, unless you want to apologize and you want to you want to actually you know have this conversation and and show me that you actually didn't mean that and that you are sorry then don't talk to me and then he hasn't we haven't spoken um that's just one instance I'm so and then, sorry. yeah and then another situation too is there's just they're just so insensitive i think and then you know uh you just think that you're dating people like regardless of the color and then they have so many ideas that it's just so mm. fucked up like another Absolutely. guy i went to his place and there, there was a cat he has a cat mm. and uh the cat started acting up and like jumping around and like was like freaking out and he's like, oh, I think it's because she's never met a person of color before. I'm like, wow, this is so like- cat's racist. Like, seriously? 
<laughs> Honestly, I, I think I think you could actually have like just an entire episode of people just writing into you the wildest shit that um, yeah white people have said to you yeah like it's yeah. it's you, the thing that's so upsetting is I never I never thought in any of these instances of these like nothing would ever cross my mind to think of them as this some like this person that's so far removed from my experience that I could look at them and say, oh, you're the color of shit. Like, I just, I, yeah, like, I, li- I just, there's nothing that I could comprehend to say. And this would go for anyone. There's nothing that I could comprehend. Like, how can you say those things? I, I just, I think it was a hurt for sure. It, it was so hurtful. That's yeah. so hurtful. I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm it's fucking terrible. It's a story that I tell. <laughs> like the racist cat. <laughs> well, that, and actually that's such a, you know, I noticed one of your questions was, you know, when you end up dating someone who's, who's racist, <laughs> I've never dated to the extent that like, okay, this person is my partner. Um, but I've definitely fucked a couple of racists that you then find out afterwards. Um, my, one of the most distinct uh, experiences here in the Netherlands and, and actually, okay. So kind of two things in one. I have noticed when I came to the Netherlands, um, I was just kind of coming off of getting to a healthier space with my sexuality, who I was going for, who I was letting into my space. Um, Because prior to that, uh, when I took that hiatus, I really became depressed when I was starting to confront a lot of uh, those sort of internalized, um, yeah, internalized racism and those machinations of my self-worth and attributing them to men and specifically, Uh, white men. Um, And when I was, when I started to move here, I was like, okay, I really want to confront this like head on. I want to like just sort of regain control over my sexuality, over my desires. And um, so yeah, came to the Netherlands for school and I was kind of like bit bopping around. I was, you know, seeing a a lot of different folks. And when I noticed how few um, black men were really engaging with black women. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like this is, and these are things that you also hear in the black community in America, which is, um, but I think that because there, there are more spaces for black people to sort of commune, for people of color to commune and come together. Whereas here, not so much. I think living in the Netherlands and specifically in Amsterdam, I'm kind of witnessing the germinations of those communities kind of starting to come together, a kind of um, a raised consciousness that's happening. But largely, it's very, very kind of um, blatant mm-hmm. how uh, how much white women are upheld here. Mm-hmm. And for white men, they're very casual in their racism here. So the, I will say that is the main difference. I feel like in the States, you know, it's still racism, but it's just packaged differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but here they say very casually. And I remember having sex with this one guy um, and literally right after he goes, so do you have sex with black men too? And I said, I've gotten that before, actually. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was like, what? What kind what? of question is that? What the fuck kind of question is that? Not even two seconds after you just like exited me. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, I just, I just want to know. I was like, but why? Of course. Like, duh. <laughs> I'm just curious. Why? <laughs> Because that's a normal post-coital question. Yeah. yeah. Why? And it just, it's like, God, you just really wanted to, because I too was under the illusion that um, the Netherlands was this place of like tolerance and acceptance. And and, um, yeah. And all that. And it's, yeah. it's a scam. It's a yeah. scam. It's this, um, because that narrative kind of exists on a discursive level, people just sort of buy into it without really critiquing or questioning 
uh, tolerance. I mean, the fact that you're, you're proud of tolerance when tolerance actually concedes respect and respect is the goal, not tolerance. I don't want you to deal with me. It's about respect. Um, so check that real quick. And I just, it was so, so disgusting when I saw that. I, I, the way that it just sort of rolls off the tongue. And here I find that they will um, kind of fight you tooth and nail to be like, no, I know you think this sounds racist, Mm -hmm. but I'm just asking you. I know you think that, but I'm just asking you. Or this sort of needling to find out your ethnicity and where you're from. Like they really want to do that. You could be talking about, you know, the damaging effect of neoliberal policy. And they're like, yeah, okay, you're so smart. So like, where do you come from? And that happens in the States, but I feel like to a far lesser degree, specifically in New York, a far lesser degree. Here, it's like, I mean, it's it's like par for the course or something. And... Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing as here, but people just automatically assume I'm Indian. So mm. that's my, that's my thing. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, definitely that where are you from, where are you from kind of thing. Um, and what you were saying about uh, them. Yeah, they, they say things and then they're like, oh, I'm not racist though. Like, yeah, I just hate blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, yeah but okay. But you are though. Like yeah. they get so irate at you calling them a racist than their actual comments. Yeah. And then it's when you keep pushing to be like, yeah, why are you saying that? It's like, oh, you know, you're being, you're being sensitive, you're being aggressive, you're being sassy, you know, it's just, it's <laughs> white guilt sounds the same all over the world, except here it's, it's not guilt. They truly are like, no, I'm right. You're sensitive. Yeah. I'm correct. And you're sensitive. And I just, yeah, it's really, um, I mean, I've also been told by quite a few white men here, I'll say probably more so than in the States, uh, you know, you're my type. Mm-hmm. Really? Why? Oh, you know, white women are just, I was like, Mm-mm, no, I didn't ask you about white women. I said, why am I your type? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, white women, I was like, again, I'm not asking you about white women. I'm asking you why I'm mm-hmm. your type. Oh, well, y'all just dress really sexy. and the- Y'all, who is he referring to? Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Tice? Like, this is not, it's not cute. It's not cute. And, you know, it's, you know, if you're trying to, put me as like your badge of honor. Oh, I dated this black woman. Like I clearly know everything. Like it's not, Yeah, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. Uh, I'm actually fully off dating at the moment. Yeah. Um, Rejuvenation. I feel like, how do you even date in lockdown? You can't. Honestly, I'm I'm on a hiatus too, because (laughs) Um, everything is closed here. I can't even go to a restaurant. So Mm. of course you're going to take me out before anything. So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. No, no, I don't make everybody pay, but you're going to take me out. (laughs) I I mean, to be fair though, I'm kind of like, well, if you're making more than me, probably. And you want to take me to a certain restaurant, that's probably going to be on you then. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I feel like in lockdown, I've had way too much time to think Mm. about intimacy to the point where I feel like I felt myself into like this existential spiral. And I don't even know, I don't know what intimacy is going to look like when I get out there. Like, I don't know if, um, yeah, I, I'm so out of practice. (laughs) I don't, like, I don't know what that's going to, what that will be and what that will look like. And, and given that I've, I feel like my dating history has been marred by these experiences largely um, about largely 
they've been marred by, you know, massage noir. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine that I can ever like go through that again. And, and I don't, I can't imagine like meeting people IRL mm-hmm. anymore. So it's going to be on the app. So it's like, how do I filter these people out? Like you don't know, right? Yeah. Cause they lurk behind these, you know, they posted a black square. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they're like down. It's like, are you actually down? Like, can you actually have these conversations? You can never really tell. Is no. it- that thing right you especially with dating apps like they might seem like okay when you meet them in real life and it's like oh shit no not yeah. Really. yeah um but I think like this time like COVID and like the lot well I can't relate because I've been working a lot but I think COVID in general it just it, it makes people like r- really sit and think about what they need and what their desires are and mm. you know um just to fi- figure all that out and and of course it's not easy um mm. it's not a always pleasurable thing but um it just forces you to you know sit there and think right far too much yeah <laughs> far too much but this is the reality that we have now have you reconnected with like old or like past lovers during lockdown have I? <laughs> I don't know. No, not really. Mm. I, I, I kind of just leave the past in the past kind of thing. Nice. If I, because I'm very forgetful too. I remember when I came back here. And <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. I love that. I, you're like, I'm super forgetful. So. <laughs> yeah. So I came back and there was this some, somebody that I used to see a long time ago and I forgot that I didn't like them. <laughs> I, I, I literally first so I saw them once and I'm like oh shit this is why I don't like this person and then I had to tell them like I'm not interested in oh my god that I'm is so forgetful I'll forget like the last encounter like what <laughs> it's so bad I fucking love that I absolutely love that I'm gonna write that down I just forgot that I didn't like them Perfect. Sometimes forgetting is is a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good thing that like you just forget a person. You know, it's like, yeah. I think so too. I I would like that gift. Can you please just imbue me with that gift? Like, send me your mantra so I can do that because I feel like I remember. Everything. I have the yeah. I I have the memory of a goldfish when it comes to things outside of me, but I remember everything that pertains to like me and my experiences. Um, yeah, especially like meeting people. I have such anxiety around that sometimes. Yeah. That I remember every single encounter and I'm like, oh my God, what happened? What happened? What happened here? What happened here? What happened here? I mean, it gives me an idea of like what I want and what I don't want. But then I, I don't t- tend to focus on the past much. It gives mm-hmm. you, yeah, it gives me that little idea of like, you know, things that I've done or people that I, I've done that I don't like or that I do like. And then I go forward from there. And then I just think about my desires now, what I need now. Um, mm-hmm. a relationship if I ever want one what kind of what would that look like so I just focus mm-hmm. on the now what my needs are right yeah not so much because obviously if they're in the past they're not really they have not you know satisfied me enough to stay so <laughs> Ooh. oh girl you are so strong <laughs> queen I think you should do empowerment seminars thank you <laughs> I think you absolutely should do those I th- that is like like you're obviously not strong enough to stay in my life so bye the behind me uh it's just like if you don't you know like you need to not just cater to me but you know i have to want you you know mm. or you don't have to desire you if, if you if i don't then what's the point that's true yeah that's true why am i sticking around Whew. That is the question I really need to ask myself. You're make you're like very confronting. You're confronting me with a lot of things that I need to think about now. <laughs> like, 
was that conflict resolution or was I actually just torturing myself? Yikes. I don't know. I don't know. But sorry, I, uh, I, I derailed the conversation. Yeah. No, you mentioned something about, oh yeah, how somebody asked you if you date other uh, Black guys. Mm-hmm. I remember somebody asked me that, or they were surprised when I said I, I date everybody and mm-hmm. like every, anybody, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, isn't that fetishizing? Isn't that, um, aren't you fetishizing them? Or aren't you doing race, like race play? I know that race play is a whole different, they didn't know what race play was. What the? They, f- thought, they thought that me being in, like, you know, me being like in an interracial, whatever, like dating or fucking whoever, was a how is that race? They clearly had no idea what you're. They have no yeah. idea. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So they would comment and be like, "Oh, you, you would do, you, you know, you like anybody. So, aren't you fetishizing other people's bodies? And aren't you doing that power dynamic where?" No. Yeah, exactly. Because I, no. I treat everybody this. I think I treat everybody the same, right? That's and I like who I like. It doesn't matter if what what they look like, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um. So that that is that that's just an extra step further. Like, why? Who says that? Like, what kind of ideas do you have in your head about interracial sex and dating that you're gonna? Yeah. Say exactly. I feel like that question is so much more indicative of where their headspace is at because it kind of also assumes this idea that you're supposed to be with one specific race or ethnicity and that if you go outside of that like why do you think actually being accepting of anyone and being open to anyone is somehow playing with them like that makes absolutely no sense to me like that person was dumb I can say that with 100% certainty (laughs) for saying that in the Netherlands there's so they know what race play is i don't know why they asked me that question but then they said that there and i can't believe this but there's sex clubs in the netherlands that have a black slave night yeah what yeah in the south yeah oh my god yeah that's okay, disgusting. they still have that shit there no no uh, no unacceptable unacceptable yeah. unacceptable i was like what the fuck okay it's just no oh my god yeah, I don't I, know um, what this is, and I I want to know, but I don't know. I, I want to know simply to put it on blast because I, you know, what's so interesting is that um in these conversations about fetishization, fetishization, and race play and kings and fantasies um, around race, people often like to sort of plug in one variable for the other, and they're like, oh well, it's just another fetish, it's just another kink, so it's fine, you know, it's two consenting adult, like it's fine, yeah. and. I feel as though it's it's such a banal conversation because again it's those power dynamics that in the real world have very real consequences and it's very real violence that is attached to that so you know I remember there's a sex worker that I follow on um on Instagram uh the chocolate dom and she does financial yes she does financial domination and I remember she uh made a post about uh race play um and I was looking at the, the, I can't remember, I think, I'm pretty sure she was saying that, you know, that's one of her boundaries, she doesn't do that. Um, and I was looking at the comments and there were a lot of white sex workers who were saying like, you know, what's, what's wrong with that? You know, it's just a fantasy. And, and this was also around the time of the Black Lives Matter protests that were happening last summer. Mm-hmm. And um, like, you know, this client is, this is what they're paying for and they want it, this, that, and the third. And, and I just... 
it's just so easy for people to kind of really remove themselves from the socio-historical context that's there. And then they would try to sort of plug in these other fetishes or like, oh, well, what about BDSM? I'm like, that's different though. Like a, a sub and a dog, like that's very different. And there's still, there's more communication there that's allowing it. I just feel like when it comes to race, you can't, when it comes to race play, especially, you cannot just plug that in. Um, of course, you know, I can't control what people do behind closed doors, but I was, it was, it was such a, a fascinating conversation to see, especially, it was kind of like people were talking across each other and they just couldn't sort of reckon with the fact that, you know, until, until we come to a space where whiteness doesn't just get to move as the neutral mm-hmm. or exist as a neutral and is acknowledged as a, a color as well, as a race as well, um, it just, yeah, it, it is problematic. And it, I, I do think that it's subject to analysis, but. Um, I really want to do an episode about this. I want to get mm-hmm. into somebody's head who's, or two people. So I want to get mm-hmm. into the head of like the Dom in the situation. And I really mm-hmm. want to know what the person of color is thinking and feeling when they're into that. Yeah. I want to do this in a, like a non-judgmental way, even though I mm-hmm. have, like, I don't understand it at all. Mm-hmm. But like, I really, like, I'm very interested in like the mindset and like the, like why, the why, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. I don't know why, yeah. why anybody would want that. But yeah, and it's, so. yeah. And and the, the most popular argument that you'll hear is like, oh, well, what if it was a black dom and a white slave? And I said, again, it comes back to those, you know, socio-historical contexts and that power dynamic. It's, it's very, it's very different. And, um, you know, I don't think that it's enough to just chalk it up to sensitivities. You know, it's, it's different, but, but I'm also someone who doesn't experience that desire to be called that. So, you know, if I was having that conversation with someone who's like, yeah, I, I enjoy being degraded specifically in this way, because then it's also a, well, what if you just enjoy being degraded? This is just another element, right? So yeah, it's, it's a, it was quite interesting because I, I noticed also um, on like Findom Twitter, that was a huge request that was coming out more and more and more. I would see, you know, like looking for race play, but then I noticed a lot of people like, no, I'm actually like super against that. And it's just really fascinating how uh, racial dynamics come into an intimate space. Um, like Bumble, for example, uh, you can probably still see this on my Instagram, but um, in New York, there, I had, was swiping, 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 swiped on this guy. Um, he messaged me, sub nigger. Now, what I saw in his profile, yeah, he's a, a young Latino man, and uh, I saw sub nigger, um, quite a lighter, uh, maybe even my passing uh, Latino man. And I was like, are you serious? Now, mind you, this was after I'd said, you know, oh, you know, hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, your first message to me is this, really? And I was so angry. I don't know what came over me. I'm not someone who's like, well, I'm going to put you on by. Like, I don't know what came over me, but I, you know, I screenshot it and I, I actually went on a rant about this, about, you know, how race permeates like this intimate space. And for some reason in my mind, I, I guess I was inadvertently thinking of racism as this thing that happens in, you know, the public space, but intimately it's like, I feel, you know, have some kind of respect within that space. Like we're on this app, we're here to meet people. And this is where you want to usher this in. Like you literally, you don't even have to engage with me. The fact is that I have to speak first on, on Bumble as the woman. And so you took this moment to swipe me knowing that you were going to say that. How sick is that? And so I, I put this on glass and I made a, a post about it on Facebook. 
And <clears throat> it was quite cathartic for me. Um, I think I had like other things that were happening at that time too. So I just let everything out. And uh, when I went to work the next day, one of my coworkers, uh, a white man came up to me. He's like, wow, that's really awful. But like, I don't understand. I mean, and you didn't say anything beforehand? No, I didn't. The screenshot is a screenshot. I said, hello. He said that. Was he joking maybe? Why are you trying to find excuses to make this like accessible? Yeah. And he was like yeah. the fifth person actually that day who had asked me like the same series of questions, um, which then kind of exacerbates the experience, right? Because here's this thing that's happening. It's happening in this intimate space. You talk about it. And somehow people are still trying, you know, and whether they're aware of it or not, that's that's a different story. But it's just like these things do happen and, and they're happening. And, you know, these these preferences, these sexual preferences, um, they're rooted in a very real historical, you know, they're rooted in violence, a history of violence. Um, and we need to acknowledge that and how it permeates sort of every facet of society. And the, the post got shares like... I don't know, hundred something times. And I started getting these message requests. And one of them was, I guess, from his friend and his friend was black. And he's like, well, you know, I know him and like, he would never say anything like that. And I was like, well, then talk to your friend. Why are you talking to me about it? Yeah. You what do you mean? He would, so? he would never say anything like that, but yet he did. So, um, and then I got another message from another friend of his who said the same thing. And then finally I got actually a message from him. And, uh, I actually also reported his profile to, to Bumble and, uh, they really didn't do much. Not really. They were like, Oh yeah. Where's the profile? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll go ahead and like deactivate it. But there was no, I don't know what else I was expecting really from it, but it just kind of seemed like, a, Oh, okay. We'll go ahead and deactivate this. Um, and interestingly, a few months later, I saw this uh, thing on Bumble where I guess the guy was being quite sexist to white guys being quite sexist to a white woman. Mm. And they made like this huge post about it on their like website, on their social media. They're like, yeah, we don't tolerate this. And, you know, women, feminism. I was like, yeah, but what about okay. women of color? Yeah. What about that? Um, so, yeah, uh, he he reached out to me and said, um, so, yeah, so I guess your post is really blowing up. Uh, sorry this happened to you. It was actually my friend who had my phone and said that. Um, I would never say something like that. I know what racism is. My stepdad is Black. Oh, my God. So association makes you... Uh, I know. No, that's what I was going to speak. I don't know about New York and stuff because I haven't been to the States. But in Toronto, mm -hmm. uh, people think because they're so close to the culture and the culture of Toronto is... It, it derives from Caribbean culture and it derives from Black culture. They think that mm -hmm. they are... They Everybody thinks that they're now able to speak with certain language and mm -hmm. you know act in certain ways just because you know it's popular yeah just because their friends are all black they could say certain things mm -mm. or that they could yeah mm -hmm. it's yeah it's so upsetting is black so i could say this yeah and it's like no you actually can't you actually can and also my question is why are you so pressed to be able to say that mm -hmm. of all the words why are you so pressed to be able to There's say this anger, nonetheless to a stranger. Yeah. Like, stop that. Stop that. I think it's, it's fucking weird and you need to stop. Like, it's such an infuriating response because I'm sitting there talking to this man who clearly, like, really doesn't give a shit how this goes. He's just like, can you take the, I can I, actually, he said, um, you know what? I owe you a drink. Can you please take the post down? No. Wow. Wait, did you uh, block out his name when you posted it? I can't, I don't remember. Um, I... <laughs> 
Did you full on expose him? Full on, full on. And um, actually, I had a, I think I had blocked out his picture, but his name was still there. Oh, okay. And then a few friends of mine actually found him sleuthing. I don't know. I, I think maybe before I had made the post, I like taken a picture, like a screenshot of the first conversation, and then they zoomed in on the picture. Mm -hmm. And but when I had actually posted it myself, it was just name and everything else. Um, but yeah, he, um, he asked me to take it down. I said, no, uh, he then said, you know, I'm not some like rich kid, you know, like I have to work for everything. And I was like, I really don't understand what this has to do with you calling me a nigger. I really don't understand what you working hard has to do with that. Like, excuse me, AOC the other day when she, um, discussed how, um, oh gosh, uh, I think it was a state representative from Florida. Mm -hmm. called her a fucking bitch and in his apology he literally got on that platform and said you know i'm i'm sorry that she was offended yeah i'm sorry that she took offense to what i said or like basically tried to absolve himself of any responsibility Mm -hmm. and then essentially said you know i'm i'm a hard-working man you know i came from poverty what does your socioeconomic status have literally anything to do with the fact that you are completely disrespectful? Like, I don't really understand how these two things correlate at all. And also, like, why are are we harnessing class as a means to say, well, you know, I'm just hardworking. You know, I'm of the people. I'm I'm modest. I can never say something. What does that have to do with anything? Yeah, because they think that they're oppressed too. They are oppressed too. That's not, you know, that's not the question. Of course, um, people with a lower socioeconomic status are oppressed as well, but they think that they're, they could relate, I guess. It's just like, you know, the thing is, it's more than even relating. It's let me tell you my sob story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, but I'm oppressed. And it's not, to, yeah, it's like, and it's not to detract from, you know, where you grew up, but it's like, why are you ushering this in as a means to what? So now I'm supposed to lean into you? Is this what this is? is are you trying to do, are you trying to do some sort of Olympics here? Like, I don't understand. Stand in what you did, period. And so I told him that and I said, well, okay, well, if you didn't say it, then I want to know who did because they're not going to get away with this. And uh, yeah, and so it went on for like a few days, um, I can't remember, maybe like after like two weeks. And then we actually did end up having a conversation. uh, And it was just very strange because he never actually gave me the name. And then I think he actually tried to start flirting with me. And then uh, he just, I mean, he just didn't care. He just, you could clearly see that he didn't care. And I never took the post down and I never will. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a super, it's a super infuriating thing. No, I commend um, you for, I know you call people out. I wish yeah. I, I don't always do that. Um, <laughs> I just, just, just kind of leave them alone and, you know, but I wish I was able to, you know, call people out the way that you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, you know, the things I, I can't, I can't sit with the fact knowing that they're just going to like slink off and do this to someone else. Someone else. Yeah. That's- and they may open another profile, you know, I, I don't know what eventually they're going to do, but I just... And I'm not like exposing their whole thing. Like if you notice, I put the clown face emoji on my, on the Tinder responses that I get. But I really, I think part of when I um, put a lot of these messages on blast is to create that space for conversation because I think people love to, and I think this is part of like our neoliberal culture, people like to privatize um, conflict. I think especially if, if you are a marginalized identity, um, and at the intersections of that as um, a woman of color, when you 
discuss your experiences, there's still this need to privatize that as something that you did to spark this conversation. Well, what were the red flags that you didn't see before this happened? I was like, this is the red flag. So what, yeah. again, to a chicken and the egg moment? Like, what was the red flag before the red flag before the red flag? Like, this is it. This is what I'm telling you. And this speaks to a very real and very dominant culture that you clearly don't believe when I just tell you about these instances. So I'm going to show this. And it's so interesting when I see other people respond and, and they also share their screenshots or just like, you know, they'll send me voice notes sometimes like, yeah, you know, this thing also happened to me or how we're talking about this right now. Um, you know, it's, it's comforting in a way, but it's also really disheartening to see that <laughs> dating is racist. Like, it's just, it's really just, um, yeah, it's quite infuriating. It is, yeah. Think about it. And one of my girlfriends, she's, um, so she is half Burmese, half uh, white, and her partner is a, a white man. And, you know, she, she tells me about how um, in the beginning of their relationship, when they would talk about um, feminism and racism and his kind of, I don't want to say necessarily resistance, but yeah, a little bit of resistance to engage. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was telling her my experiences of doing that. And I said, you know, it's because she's also white passing. And I would tell her how um, the thing that I would struggle with is when I was dating men who would attempt to engage in social issues, it wouldn't go very far. And then she was saying, well, you know, you just have to work at it. You just have to work at it. I just worked at it. And I said, I have to be honest. I don't think it, sometimes I don't think it's me having to work at it. I think it's just literally who it's coming from. And it's more palatable coming from you than it's going to be from me because that's too confronting. And they can go to all the protests and the marches that they want. But when they are in that house, when they're in that bedroom, they're not trying to, you know, acknowledge their deep-seated hatred because they're like, well, if it doesn't look like me calling you a black bitch, then there's nothing problematic about what I'm saying or doing. Uh, and and then when I think about that, it's like, how much is this person willing to learn? And, and seeing how very few have been with me, it really pushes me, well, it pushes me away from dating just in general. Um, but even it really kind of leaves a, just like a bad taste in my mouth because I think to myself, especially when I see a lot of interracial relationships here with white partners, I ask myself how many conversations are not happening. Yeah. And, and if they are happening, like, did they come to you sort of already fully formed or mostly formed? Is it just like a continuous engagement? Because I, yeah, I, I really, I really struggle with that. Yeah. I and, Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was seeing this guy, he was a white guy, and he was like, he was, he was having this conversation with me and how he's so progressive, blah, blah, blah. And then he went full on crazy on me because I was, you know, seeing other people mm. and knew the other person. And he was like, wow, you're seeing, and he pulled the N-word, basically. <gasps> you're, you're seeing this person and seeing this blank, okay. Wow. And then like, okay, I was like threatened because he was very violent at the same time. Wow. So, I didn't, you know, I, you know, there's only so much I could have done. And like, I didn't really, I had to get out of there basically that, that same day when he said that. Um, first of all, I didn't, I didn't decide to be monogamous with you. I didn't say that. Yeah. Um, second yeah. of all, I'll take whoever the fuck I want or the fuck whoever I want. That is awful. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. So, it's crazy how people could parade or, you know, like, try to blend in and, and, and act like they're not racist and then they go and you know say racist racist shit like that or make <sighs> jokes or whatever um fucking terrible yeah that is terrible it really really is oh my god ah! i really wish there was some sort of like scanning system that you could do yeah <laughs> beforehand and you just like scan da, 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 da. ah okay i see that in 2020 
raised your voice, became extremely violent when you found out that the person you were seeing was also seeing a black person. Yeah. What's going on there? Let's unpack that. And, you know, I, I also, I don't think that anyone can't learn or like really confront, you know, their problematic history. And, you know, as we all can, um, but I think I've, I've, I've lost a little bit of uh, faith in, in the romantic sense. Like, I, I don't know if I really have the energy to teach someone or to encourage them to, yeah, unlearn and to confront these, these thought processes. Um, I feel that as well. I just, and, it, and it's quite sad because I actually, I really do, I like to teach, but just the, the anger that I've been confronted with. Um, you shouldn't have to teach in these situations, right? This is your no, right? Yeah, um, like being, t- teaching, <laughs> you're teaching. Right? You shouldn't be doing this 24 hours a day. No, you know, certainly not. Yeah, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, that's just, that's a lot of emotional labor on top of a lot. labor in general, right? A lot. And I think also, you know, I'm still trying to, I'm right now I'm figuring out my sexuality as well, because I recently kind of realized that I don't know if I'm actually attracted to men or if it was just what I was used to mm-hmm. for so long. And, you know, the way internalized homophobia is set up, uh, not really understanding. I was like, you know, do I like this woman? Or do I just like how she looks? I think I just, I just think she's really, really cool. And I want to spend all this time with her, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I have noticed though, um, I feel much more of a, a safety with women, with women of color, but I, it's very difficult for me to get to the intimacy. Mm-hmm. Part. Like I feel quite scared to go there because I feel like, Oh my gosh, I don't know. What it is. So it's, yeah. it's this inverse thing that's happening where I, yeah like I like I know how to like I was like we can talk we can kiki like I get this but then now melding that with physical intimacy I don't know how to do that I've also just really just taken a break from physical intimacy because of a lot of you know emotional stuff um but with men yeah I think I was just this was like a site of experimentation a lot of experimentation for me and then hoping and expecting that to just stick and then when the intersections of race came into that and seeing how that just really created this kind of storm of yeah of, of of doubt and sadness and it's just very it's a very strange place to uh to navigate and i'm i'm separating myself from them i have separated my myself from that largely but when i have gotten back onto the apps and i i look at who is available and i'll put that in quotation marks and who's out there um it's just not really clicking mm-hmm. it's not really clicking um, and to pile a pandemic on top of that, it's like definitely not clicking. So yeah. I've fully deleted, <laughs> fully deleted the apps. But uh, yeah, I yeah I don't go on it anymore. Also because I'm busy, but <laughs> she's like I got shit to do. Yeah, and then it's just like filtering out all these people, and then it's just impossible. You might have like some people who are decent, and then you mm. you never really know, right? Obviously. No meet them later and then figure out no either Mm. it's not my type or they're problematic or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and I've also um oh you'd asked um about racist family members yeah uh to kind of switch gears a bit I haven't really dealt with racist family members to be honest um but I have dealt with homophobic uh family members and 
luckily, like we've never actually been close in general, so I don't actually have that much contact with them. Um, but when I have, uh, so it was one of my aunts, uh, she would just say the wildest shit. And I think the last time I saw her was maybe like two years ago. And I just looked at her and I said, you know, how people live their lives is really none of your business, whether you understand or not. And I don't really understand. What I'm trying to figure out is why you are stressing yourself to understand someone else's life. Like that's what, that's what I can't really get. Oh, well, the Bible, I was like, you were literally the most unholy person that I know. <laughs> so let's not, let's not usher in the Bible. Um, but interestingly, though, I think she was, she was one of the first um, people in my family that I realized uh, kind of revered whiteness in a way. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's very, she's very light skinned. Um, she was always sort of a revered as like the most beautiful one in the family. Like even my, my mom sometimes would say how she would like envy her um, because of her skin tone and this and the third. And I think that, I think from a young age, cause we used to uh, live with her. I think that's also where a bit of some of that internalized hatred yeah. came from, um, you know, like- I've dealt with that as well. You're sorry? I've dealt with that as well. I know I look pale as fuck right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> not like, at all like, actually like you're glowing i was like oh her cheekbones i can't even <laughs> no yeah i was like a darker sister like everybody like my sister was like a little bit lighter than i am she still is mm-hmm. even though i look pale right now i don't know what the fuck is going on today but <laughs> but yeah like just people would desire her more even also she's like the older sister and i guess like that's, mm-hmm. people just like her more but mm-hmm. yeah that's one thing I have to deal with as well. It's just not feeling I'm pretty enough because mm. I'm a little bit shadier. I get mm. really dark, much darker in the summer. Um, mm. I get a nice tan. <laughs> and that's not <laughs> like, nice little tan. Like when I get a tan, people don't like me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and then racist family members for sure. Like I deal with it to this day. I don't talk about my dating life with anybody in my house or mm. my because I'm just, I know that they're, and especially in Trinidad, I know that they're like brown people in Trinidad are like the bourgeois, they're the mm-hmm. uh, very racist, very backwards, mm-hmm. um, and homophobic as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I just, I, I always argue with them every, like almost every day if this, if, mm-hmm. if this stuff comes up, um, if there's something on the news and they're like, what, why is this happening? Why are they protesting? Mm. always arguing with them um, Jesus. yeah and homophobia don't you yeah girl wow. jamaica it's oh i know yeah wild it's wild i will say like i'm i'm so proud of my my parents though they've they have been quite surprising in their journey um they're more open they don't always say the right things i don't think that they're abreast of the latest terminologies uh, I think because I'm, you know, 29 and I don't have a partner and I haven't had a serious partner, they're kind of <laughs> opening themselves to be like, listen, anyone that you bring home, just like, just bring someone home. <laughs> I said actually the other day to her, she's like, so Demi, have you seen anybody? I was like, no. She's like, anybody at all, you know? And whoever they may be, I was like, excuse me? Me though. I wish my They may be. I was shocked. I was so, so shocked. And my dad also, I kind of said to him uh, the other day, I said, yeah, dad, I mean, I'm, like, I may not bring home anyone. I yeah. certainly may not bring home a guy. And that's fine. Yeah. And he goes, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I may be single for the rest of my life. 
or I just may not bring home a guy. My bring home 10. Like, who yeah. <laughs> he goes, ah, okay, well, you know, if somebody makes you happy, then that's okay. <laughs> it's like, and we kind of just left it at that. So I'm, I'm kind of watering them down a little bit, but it's, um, yeah, it's very surprising to see that from them. It's very, very surprising, but it, it gives me, it gives me lots of joy and lots of hope. Um, yeah. I mean, do you, when you're engaging with your like racist family members, do you really like, is there ever a point where you're just like, okay, I'm just going to leave this over there. Cause this is just, um, no, they think I'm really bitchy because I complain about mm-hmm. everything basically. Um, mm-hmm. that's something to say. Um, and then, and then they're like, quiet down, stop talking. They have to tell me to stop. Um, and then I stop or, or I keep going, um, depending on what the, <laughs> or I keep going. the question is, what the, what the thing is, I, I keep going sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I never brought anybody home either. So I'm, they have not met any of my partners or my mm-hmm. dad almost will use on FaceTime with my old partner and the other ones, but that's about it. They, mm-hmm. they, so they thought it was a lesbian the whole time. Like they, <laughs> They, they literally, like, who are you going with? I, going out with? I'm like, oh, just a girlfriend. And they, yeah, they think I'm a, le- they thought I was a lesbian. So I had to deal with a lot of homophobia as well. Um, mm. And they're very religious, like they're Hindu. Um, mm. And I actually had a moment where they were shaming me. Like they had like a, we call it a puja. And we had that, um, it's like a, a ceremony. Um, and we had, um, he is called a pundit. He's, he's like the leader or he's like orchestrating the whole thing. He mm. said, and I quote, he said that gay people are just not following their natural way of life. And I had my grandmother point at me. Everybody watched as she pointed at me and she laughed. I had to leave. Wow. I couldn't make a scene because that would have been terrible. So I just had to leave. I had to go somewhere else. I, I I'm so sorry. Yeah. That's awful. And that's just homophobia. I mean, like, I keep telling them, like, you're, I'll bring home whoever the fuck I want to. What, mm-hmm. Whichever color they are whichever mm. what's between their legs mm. they they just expect you know the heterosexual like what you either get a white guy or you get a brown guy mm. you're gonna have kids get married no i don't want to no. i don't want to get no. i have kids oh you know what interestingly enough the last guy that i slept with um who was non-white had his own internalized uh, racism that he was dealing with and um I think he really, he really wanted to be with a white woman. In fact, he said to me that he's like, oh yeah, white woman like never liked me because they thought I was, uh, so you know how in the Netherlands, um, Turkish um, people and Moroccan people are seen, they're racialized as like the ultimate other. And so, so he's mixed race, but people assume him to be Turkish or Moroccan. And he was saying how uh, he never got, swiped on by white women and he he had brought it up quite a few times so finally I asked him I said you know you seem to really be really bothered by this mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of wondering like why your self-esteem seems to be attached to that white yeah yeah like why is that so important to you um and you know we kind of talked about it but you know delicate sensibilities we couldn't really get into the crux of it I don't think he was ready for that um so then we like kind of separated came back together and we were like trying out this friendship thing and he was saying how like a lot of white women actually started paying attention to him more in light of BLM. And I was like, oh, I wonder if they posted like black squares. And it was just yeah. the weirdest. Yeah, it was a really strange. And then I finally said to him, I was like, you know, you really need to figure out like why so much of your self-esteem is attached to white women, like being accepted and desired by white women. And I'm not saying that like I haven't experienced that, but it's it's actually really creepy how you're wearing this as like a badge of honor. Like I don't, I don't like that. Um, I could definitely, yeah. huh? 
I could definitely relate though. Like when I was like, what, how old am I now? I don't know. Like, <laughs> like honestly, at a certain point, it doesn't even matter how old you are. You're like, I, I'm today's old. Exactly. I'm today old. I, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I guess like six, seven years ago, I would think the same yeah. thing. Like I, you know, white guys, like even like growing up in where I, I did, there was not many when I was growing up, um, mm-hmm. but they never seemed to like me. And I thought that mm-hmm. was, like, it, it was like, why though? Mm-hmm. Um, they like my sister. They don't like me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I got, got to college. And then I, I remember it was so va- validating for some fucked up reason that, you know, white people started to like me. Mm-hmm. And then now it's like, I actually was happy to move back here from the Netherlands because I, because there was not enough people of color there. And I wanted to feel, mm-hmm. you know, feel that connection again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to stop seeing so many white people that, <laughs> my, you know, like now I want to get, get away from it. Like not just yeah. get, like, I still like white people, of course, but um, <laughs> I wanted to detach myself from that. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. It's very real. It's, it's, it's very real. And um, it's kind of sad because I don't think that uh, white people ever have this experience, right. To be like, Oh, wow. They actually like, like me. It's, it's that validation is not posited on that racial dimension of, of power. And then being liked by this symbol of power and then really internalizing that to the extent that you that you even ask yourself oh why doesn't this kind like me now there's there's still a, a power dynamic present there like oh men liking me you know um but yeah it's 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 strange because uh, like to one extent like i i kind of felt for him but to the next extent i realized that he was he would simultaneously talk shit about white women, but then also want to be wanted by them and then be angry actually white if he wasn't desired by them. And something that I've noticed, um, you know, coming back to the question of, you know, men of your own background, something that I have noticed from brown men is when they try to pit women against each other, mm-hmm. um, especially when they're like, oh yeah, you know, white women, this, but like a black woman, why are you trying to pit us against each other? Like, I don't understand. If you like me, you like me, that's it, period. I don't need to know that you like me in relation to this other person. Yeah. I don't, that's not important to me. And this need to pit women against each other. Like, do you think I'm out here like, oh yeah, you know, I'm the black woman and I'm superior and this, that, and the third. And, and it's validated by your desiring of me. You know, like when I think about the revolution, it's dating is the last place where I think that that's going to happen. Mm. I mean, men will literally fuck like a hole in a wall. So I don't <laughs> like, you know, it's they're wanting or not wanting of me is not where the revolution is going to happen. Um, and I was having this conversation actually with, with another friend about how I was kind of, because uh, I'm on this app called Clubhouse, which you should definitely get on. I think that you would really like it. Um, there was um, a lot of conversations around uh, why Black women are seen as the least desirable. And this particular room that happened, they were talking about, you know, whiteness, colorism, proximities to whiteness, things like that. And finally, someone said, you know, why are we so kind of bogged down with dating and intimacy as the site by which we discuss racism and and how we move past it? Like, it's such a small part of our our lives. Um, And I it just kind of feels a bit what's the word? It just kind of seems a bit like been there, done that. And I really, I really identified with that. And I think perhaps because of my burgeoning frustrations just on on that front, 
But at the same time, I also thought, well, there are a lot of opportunities that are afforded to us based on our perceived level of desirability. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of factors or a lot of characteristics that are sort of imbued onto us based on our perceived desirability. Mm -hmm. So while for me, I'm like, okay, dating, I don't really give a shit about it. Like whatever. Okay. Oh, he doesn't desire me. All right. Well, he will literally, again, fuck a hole in the wall. Um, my being, you know, lighter or thinner, um, you know, does afford me a certain passage in particular spaces where I am perhaps able to work or to speak or even to navigate in a much different way than if I were, you know, non-gender conforming or um, if I were fat or, you know, if, if I were darker, you know, so it's, there is some nuance that I think can be said there when we talk about um, desirability, but I, I, I thought that was so interesting how these conversations continue to arise around, you know, who are we mating with, who are we mating with, while at the same time, I'm like, you know that you're actually like reifying like all these other like super problematic paradigms as to what makes you sort of validated in society, like we're still discussing desirability based on this patriarchal cis normative white eye you know um but so it's like it's this relational and, and while at the same time antagonistic um relationship that happens that i often uh i struggle to navigate that and so when i go into these conversations i am also thinking like oh well yeah i guess i, I can't really discredit that desirability piece um, especially because I know that is linked to these other notions of capabilities and, and acceptance and yeah, racism really bums me out. I know a lot of brown women, like they only date white guys and then they would be like, they would compare themselves to white girls, you know, mm. Mm. I'm thinking in my head, like I, like, okay, I'm thinking about it for me. I'm a 10 and I'm not going to compare myself to a two just because they have a different color of skin. Okay. I'm a <laughs> Damn right. straight you're a 10, honey. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Damn straight. So period. It sucks, it sucks that we have to compare ourselves, you know, to, you know, I guess people who are more normative than mm. what we are. And mm. that's kind of like the standard or what we think to be the standard is. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's really, yeah. I, I'm very much looking forward to a, a time where we, we really begin to, I guess, escape or find a way to really kind of smash that ideal. Mm. Like if the ideal became difference, I really wonder what that could look like because in some, in some ways I do feel like that is happening. Mm. Um, and, you know, social media I think has brought a certain uh, wave of that. Like I did my thesis on black fishing and I talked about, uh, so black fishing is, white women who are pretending to be black or mixed race specifically. And it was, the term was kind of inspired by catfishing. Mm. Uh, so this whole thing of, you know, deceiving and pretending to be someone else. And there are these influencers that I found who, uh, yeah, when you looked at their profiles, you would think, oh, these are, these are mixed women or, or they're definitely like light-skinned black women. And so what I ended up doing the thesis was to really question uh, beauty standards and also how it's changing and changing in a direction that we really didn't expect, right? Because sort of white bodies have dominated the beauty ideal. And now you see these thicker bodies, this tanner skin, this thicker hair, these fuller lips. Yeah. yeah. I mean, still an unreasonable, you know, body type, 
but a body type that I could fully recognize in my own community. Like I recognize those large hips. I recognize that big bum. I recognize that darker skin. I recognize the long nails and the kiki key. Like I, I recognize that vernacular, you know, I, I know this gal and this gal lived in my neighborhood and, and this neighborhood did not have who I grew up with as the ideal. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is very powerful and it's very interesting to, to see. Um, but the other thing is, when you were looking at these women and the sort of uh, the brand deals that they were getting from it, um, they were being employed by brands that were being marketed to black and brown women, mm. actual black and brown women, but using these white women to, to sell their product. Yeah. But then on the other side of it, it was, you know, one influencer, she, you know, shows how her mom looks and her dad and, and they look a bit more tan. And then, it, you know, because they're this different country and we talked about the different sort of camps of racialization and who is considered white, who is not, and, and all these other things and questioning whether we are sort of attaching U.S. narratives of race and race identity to this European space. Are we just sort of copying and pasting and saying, okay, this is the standard. This is how we are looking at it and therefore need to judge it. But so when I think about um, sort of beauty ideals changing, I'm like, yeah, but if you're changing to conform to a standard that you think Black women are, it's, it's still fucked up because you're still reducing us to these parts, these parts that you can change at the drop of a hat if you, if you wanted to. If things, I don't want to say revert because revert would assume that white was always the, the normal um, or white was the standard. Uh, which it was, and not because it's intrinsic or that it's, you know, natural, but that it was constructed um, and reified. You know, it's this sort of dialectic uh, moment that we have to reckon with. So I, I'm trying to remember where I was going with this. I think the, the whole point is that, yes, once again, racism. <laughs> yeah. And they um, necessarily have to go through, you know, all of the shit that people of color have to go through, right? They just yeah. put on like, their fake tan and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas like when we were growing up or when we were, you know, just finding ourselves, we didn't feel desired. We yeah. felt like we were nothing because people didn't like the color of our skin. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have to, they don't have to go through that. It's more like, damn, I'm beautiful. Like, good for you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you were desired before and I are desired after. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm still reckoning with those other things. But yeah. it says go through the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I, I am, I am continuously interested though, to see how these standards change, you know, hmm. how much, and, and I do think I'm, I'm hopeful that we are moving in a direction where we really are critiquing the gaze, mm-hmm. um, not the gaze, the, <laughs> like the stare. I was like, wait a minute, I'm trying to differentiate. Not G-A-Z-E. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, as we, we move uh, further through history, I think we are becoming more critical of, of what that gaze is, what that eye is, that we are trying to um, satiate and you know, it's great. And I think it happens through these conversations. It happens through, you know, a lens. Um, I hope that I can look back in another 30 years and see some more significant change. Um, yeah. And perhaps who knows, maybe that'll permeate the dating scene, but I think at this point, uh, dating for me in the Netherlands is definitely just off the table. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't enjoy it. I guess I really don't enjoy it. 
can see I can see why I I love I, I love Dutch people I love Dutch men I love them I love them but you know mm. like sometimes it's just yeah mm. yeah I, I can hundred percent say I don't love Dutch men. <laughs> You don't, <laughs> but I don't love any men. That's the thing to be, to be yeah. honest, but particularly here, I have found my experiences to be just, I mean, start ravingly bad. Oh yeah. Well, or disappointing, I should say. Yeah. Good and bad. That's, that's my, I guess mine was more mixed. Like there mm-hmm. were, there were positives, but I see like when it comes to racism and stuff, that was obviously like a big no. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just still can't believe it. Oh, wait, I'm lying. There was one good one. But I didn't like him. <laughs> That's a sad thing. It's like we actually had like a really good time whenever we were together. It was really nice. But when we weren't, it was kind of like out of sight, out of mind. And I was like, oh, okay, this isn't good. Like, I, I like your company and I like your attention, but I don't think I like you. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I definitely felt that before. Yeah, yeah it's, it was kind of sad. He was, he was, I think, probably the only uh, nice Dutch guy. Damn, really? Was he the only one? Oh my God, yeah. No. <laughs> Well, to be Me fair, I, really, I didn't get to know them that much. So. <laughs> I mean, that's, them, I guess. <laughs> we were in the master's year. I feel like, I, I don't know how people, actually, I think everyone that I went to the pre-master's with Hmm. left with a partner seriously wow swear to god swear to god except me lies me and two of my friends but let's see there was i won't say their names but oh my god out of 15 of us eight of them that's that's a big yeah that's that's huge yeah yeah and i was just sitting over there like yeah little beans y'all i did date someone for a little bit but he was uh yeah he was very very unkind and really chipped away at my self-esteem he wasn't uh dutch he wasn't no but he was a dj which is just as bad (laughs) (laughs) um yeah he made beats but uh yeah that was that was not a very nice um yeah if i could go back honestly i would be single as i was single (laughs) technically but i did have a partner Mm-hmm. yeah I don't what's a relationship anymore who knows I don't fucking know you know so this is an interesting thing um also on on clubhouse not to promote it but they were asking why what's the difference between a relationship and a situationship good question you know and I think that a, re, a situationship is still a relationship but it's yeah. not a partnership and I think the question should be more so what's the difference between a relationship and a partnership mm-hmm. um so, you know, everyone's sort of like sharing their, their feelings. And, and I said, a situationship is, it's one of those things where you have one foot out the door where yep. you sort of just keep everything very casual, but you have these moments of, of depth and vulnerability that kind of make you lean into the, into what feels like something more real. It's, it bears the silhouette of a committed relationship, mm-hmm. but it's just the silhouette. It's not actually the foundations. The moment that you really tug at it, it's, kind of vanishes, right? Um, I always liken it to, uh, there's this cartoon when I was growing up. Uh, I can't even remember the name of it, but there was this monster that was, um, when you looked at it, it just looked like a series of like strings and cords that were all around, but it was very foreboding. Mm-hmm. And there was one scene where uh, the character that it was attacking finally turns around and just kind of like reaches out. Mm-hmm. And when it tries to grab at one string, everything just unravels. And that's what I think about, um, yeah, these situationships is that it feel it can feel like so much, mm-hmm. but the moment that you really sort of latch on, like in a moment of of need, honestly, 
um, it can really just fall apart. So that concludes our discussion. I hope that you learned a little bit from it and that you enjoyed it as well. I challenge you to think about in your own time whether your practices or ideas perpetuate racism as it pertains to intimacy, dating, and sex, etc. I would also like to hear from you and to figure out whether you think that having racial preferences while dating or being intimate with somebody is racist or not. Um, it's definitely a huge topic and... I would love to hear your opinions about it. If you would like to connect with me, my Instagram is mtalks.co or my Twitter is mtalksco. I'm also on Clubhouse. You can find me on there, which is xxmelissas. That is double x, not triple x. And if you would like to support me, you could go to paypal.me slash mtalks. Thank you again, and I will see you next month.